Hello everyone, welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I am Daniel. Oh, it's been a long time since I've hosted. So how are you, Dale? I'm alright, Daniel. <laughs> and I'm also with Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, how are you? Um, this is a very varied lineup for a podcast in terms of running order. Mm. Look, a bit of games, a bit of movies, you know, that's what we're all about. First off, we're going to talk about Spider-Man, Joe. Oh, yeah. Am I allowed to talk about that? I forgot about it. Yeah, you are. Uh, be prepared. You really worried me then when you said you couldn't talk about it. I was like, what? I just thought there was an embargo. I Andrew Goldfox talked about, about it. Now, I want your take on it. Well... I'm the wrong person to ask because I'm the only person I know apart from Gav who didn't like it as much as everyone else. I think that's important. Not didn't like it as much. As much. As a, not that you didn't like yeah. it. Let's, not as much as everyone else. Like I'm not just being contrarian. I really, I loved what I played at E3. Yeah. We talked about it having yeah. played that same demo. Um, it's still amazing. I would play two hours from the start of the game just to set it up, uh, and it's amazing to swing around and control that character and. Which I, I didn't find this out until I left. They've got like tricks, like Tony Hawk style tricks in yeah. there. What's the and benefit can, to that though? You just earn just cool. Because yeah, that's earn, the thing, big thing about Spiny. It looks cool. You earn tiny bits of experience for doing them, so that's the benefit. Oh my god, I'm going to be tricking my way through that city <laughs> yeah. nonstop. You're going to be plagging. <laughs> you better up. not be like grinding on the side of buildings. That's not what Spider-Man does. He doesn't just grind them. There is a trophy attached to tricks. I'm going to. There will one hundred percent trophy attached to grinding. There will be a uh, my favorite um trick name in it is just spider roll <laughs> it's like you know how batman puts bat in front of everything yeah that's spider-man's massive, spider massive roll. egotist really oh unbelievable a bat computer is just a computer yeah shut up batman um spider-man though he, mm. he controls brilliantly it's amazing to go around that city and combat's really fun and the more i saw of the kind of extended skill tree, the more I was like, oh, wow, there's quite a lot you can do with combat okay. and you can kind of mix it up. And there's lots of combos and interesting moves. But it's the world, but isn't the it? open world is just an Ubisoft game from four years ago. It's Far Cry 3. Cause, so, um, speaking to you guys, it says there's like radio controls, like police control it's, towers. It's literally... I can't believe they've got radio towers that unlock the map. Like Ubis- it's a joke. But we, we live in a world now where Ubisoft games make fun of that. Yeah. yeah. The start of Far Cry 5 literally makes fun of how bad an idea that was yeah. after a while. And so it's you're going up radio towers. Choice. It's, it's mad. And that the, the, the difference between those things is because they're police controlled. That's how you hear crimes going on in the area. Yes. Which is the neat difference but even those crimes are still just emergent events it's like uh, some guys to beat up in a shop front or a car which is similar missions to what you did in the old spider-man game absolutely well this is we said this that this was our favorite line that we wrote in the unofficial spider-man preview which is amazing by the way i didn't write all of it gav did it it's brilliant um it's so you went full back everyone (laughs) everyone asked for spider-man 2 and they fucking got it. And right. I hope they're happy because it is just an old open world game with some good swinging. Like it's based on what you've played. Based on the first two hours. Yeah, like yeah. there is every chance, maybe, that the story stuff changes. The story it, stuff will change it. But from what we've played, I played a boss battle at the start, which is beating up the kingpin, uh, which is like the very start of the game. Like it sets up everything stuff. out. And it's a very dull three phase hit him three times battle. It's like extremely old school. Right. The shocker battle at a3, almost exactly the same. So it doesn't make, give me much hope that the Sinister Six are going to be like... The thing I keep comparing it to is, how is a game coming out made, doing an open world with a superhero now that is not copying what Arkham Knight did? Right. Arkham Knight... What's that, three years old? Yeah. Arkham Knight, for all its faults, which were mainly tank-related, had <laughs> one of the most interesting ways of implementing uh, 
implementing supervillains into an open world, which is they're just around and they're stories that you follow alongside your sure. main story, yeah. getting to the point where, you know, the man bat sections could just happen to you out of nowhere. It made the place feel alive and like there were actual villains stalking around and doing crazy shit. Spider-Man just feels like I'm going here, I'm picking up a fucking backpack. This All right, tell right. Yeah. Just go through the backpack things. This sounds nuts to me. So the first time you unlock a radio tower, he's like, "Huh, it's picking up an RFID signal. I wonder what that is." And you go over, and it's a backpack webbed to a wall. He's like, "Oh, it's my backpack from high school. It's webbed <laughs> to this wall. I forgot I put these here." And then you find out there's 50 backpacks. What teenager gets through 50 backpacks? <laughs> so how, How's he paying for how, 50 backpacks? How old is Spider-Man in this game? He's 20. He's been doing it for eight years. So, so I think he's, he's 20, eight years. I think he's 24. He's 24 in this? I think so. Because right. I think he starts when he's 16. Welcome to doing that, Matt. How long does wet fluid last for as well? Right. So yeah. this is it's going, someone, through, it's going through six backpacks a year. Someone, someone pointed... <laughs> no, but they're all from high school. So he's six backpacks in what? two years. That's like more... 25 backpacks a year. <gasps> How many terms a year I you school? To, my mum wouldn't get me more than one backpack a year. And I used to beg for, to get the backpack I wanted. I'd be giving a Sainsbury's bag if I lost um, my backpack. When I was at school, there was a backpack I really wanted. My mum wouldn't get it because she thought it was ridiculous. It was an Adidas Predator backpack. And it <laughs> yeah. had like a bit of a rubberized bit on it. Pointless. Uh, yeah. a part, it means you can curve the ball better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, David, ooh, David Beckham's good though. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, sh- a, shame, a shame I will hold for the rest of my life, and it won't let me, my friends won't let me forget, is that my first day at secondary school, I came in with a briefcase. <laughs> like like a little businessman. Basically, like the plot of the in between us. Yeah, then. basically, I came in <laughs> thinking briefcase? like, I came in thinking like, I'm going to look really smart. <laughs> when actually, what? What? I look like a, a fucking dork. Just contextualize for international. How old are you? 11. I was 13. 13, you're going yeah. in with a briefcase? Yeah. <laughs> Good, innit? Did you get beaten <laughs> up? I didn't get, I've never been beaten up. You can't beat me up. I'm wired. Because <laughs> I hate you up there with my briefcase. Um, but yeah, web, this is a very good point. Someone someone on Twitter said this. I can't remember who it was, and I won't, I will, I don't know, I'll say thank you on Twitter. Um, they pointed out that the whole point of web fluid is that it degrades yeah. over time. So otherwise, otherwise New, York New York is covered in fucking... Well, if they last eight years, <laughs> Look, ah, it's just this fucking like, cum-strewn <laughs> mess. It's like the upside down in Stranger Things. <laughs> Donald Glover in Hogan, it gets his hands yeah, yeah. yeah. to account. He says it will dissolve. Yeah. 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 Mental. Oh. I didn't think that one through, did they? But this is it. It's like, it's just... 25 backpacks a year. It's just walking... (laughs) Two a month. (laughs) Everything we've seen of the open world so far, and there's good story bits, and there's interesting, like, little narrative sections, and that's the stuff I'm actually really excited, where it's sort of Spider-Man trying to become uncharted in some ways mm-hmm. like really propulsive exciting well things that's the happening. bit they first showed at E3 yeah. when he yeah. goes through that building and it's, it's everyone's like oh where's the open world it's like the open world is what I, this is why they didn't show it because <laughs> as far as we've seen it's just far it's just Ubi, Ubisoft yeah. game you're just walking to a place to pick up a thing that has an artifact that you can spin round and read yeah. and you're like that's fuck, it's just so boring counterpoint though yeah so how required is all this stuff? Like Gav was moaning to me about the backpacks, and I was like, I'm pretty sure you don't have to do it. If you want the new suits, you have to interact okay. with stuff. So, so to me, it just seems like a collectible. And he was talking about God of War's collectibles. I was like, what fucking glowing so crows? Everything, everything in everything <laughs> in the Odin's backpacks. Ravens, maybe. <laughs> everything in the backpacks. Sorry, every backpack you pick up has a little like lore artifact. Right. They're really crap. It's like oh, a menu from when me and MJ went for a date. Okay. But also um, like. Again, it makes no sense because, like, one, he saved it, so isn't that sweet? But yeah, he didn't care about where he left it. He just left it in the rain. 
It's oh, not. It's not a dry no. place, New York. You're an absolute romantic. Oh, where is it? Oh, no. well, so I don't know. Chrysler I, I, um, building. I was pissed one night, web slinging through Harlem, and yeah. I just stuck it to a building. Stuck it to Avengers Tower and fucked off. Also, no one's cleaned a window in New York, by the way. <laughs> Manhattan is not that big either. Surely you would have cruised past it at some point, and just think, oh, there's my backpack. I left over there. Um, but it's, so <laughs> it's just like, but you get everyone you pick up has a token in it, right? And the tokens are one of there are several currencies like backpack tokens crime tokens right. research tokens oh my fucking god I haven't even talked about the research I haven't what seen what tokens it's like when you go to a shop at Waitrose and they end they give you that little yeah, green coin the, and at the end you, when you're walking out of Waitrose like am I putting this into research um, yeah. well, you're, saying, you're, you going out, you're going out of Waitrose and you're like do I want the spider punk suit or the spider armour <laughs> suit uh, I might just get a free coffee yeah um, um, but the, so that's kind of fine because it's like it all ties into how you get the suits, which are genuinely okay. excellent. And right. they um, they open... Re- I had about four suits within the first two hours. So it's really giving yeah. you stuff quickly. And they're not just cosmetic either. They all have like special abilities. What's cool right? is they all come with an ability, yeah. but you don't have to wear that suit to use that ability. So if you get... So if you want, it. Yeah, yeah if you want the Spider-Man Noir suit, but you want to use the Spider-Punk ability, that's allowed, that's which cool. I think is really nice. Yeah, so cool. that's a smart way to do it. Um but this is my whole point, is everything to do with Spider-Man is brilliant. <laughs> the open world is just so anemic right. right now. And maybe it gets better. He, the one bit of hope I have is that the creative director gave a talk and he said, the crimes you're fighting at the start of the game are different at the end of the game. Okay. So maybe the emergent stuff gets way bigger and way more interesting. It'd be cool if the the world reflects the main story. Yeah. So if they change New York by doing their stuff. Bomb. Sense, yeah. Ooh. Big bomb. <laughs> That's all you need. Exactly. Um, right. But so, yeah, I just, I don't want to be a dick. It's fine. It just seems fine. That's so, the problem. So let's talk about a villain who's not in the game and he oh, had yeah. a new trailer this week. Have you both watched the Venom trailer? Yes. Yep. It's bonkers. Yeah. It is mental. It look like, I, I, I'm looking forward to watching it. I do think it's probably going to be quite rubbish. I'm kind of into it. I like, so my favorite bit in it, cause I didn't watch it for two days after it yeah. came out and then I just watched it the other day. I absolutely adore the way he says the word pancreas. Oh yeah, he goes. He goes. Your he goes. Eyes, lungs, pancreas. <laughs> the animation on it is nuts. Yeah, I love that someone's animated that and then shown their boss going. What do you think of this? It's like, it's I mean, crazy enough to yeah. work. It is. What well, is the classic comic book problem of how do you make Venom talking look right? Because he's got a mouth that goes up to his ears. Like, it makes no sense. And then at the end, when he goes off on that guy in the convenience store, he's like, I'll eat your arms, I'll eat your face. Who's the one he says to about something like, you'll be rolling down the street? Yeah, this guy, he goes, I'll eat your arms. Does he say turd? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll eat your face and you'll be this armless, faceless thing rolling down the street in the wind like a turd. I've never, (laughs) I just want to say, I've never seen a turd roll. Yeah, no. IGN underscore UK feedback, IGN.com. You ever seen a turd roll? Also, I actually find that terrifying. Imagine in a wind, a turd flying at you. (laughs) Well, not even just... Yeah. Well, like tumbleweed. Did you see Tumble that? Turd. Did you see that tweet going around recently where a guy was just walking and he just saw a lemon that was rolling forever? Oh, yeah, I saw that. And he filmed it for like a minute. Yeah, and he half. just filmed. <laughs> he's on like a slight incline, and it's just a lemon rolling down the street, and he's just followed it. It's mesmerizing. Can we recut American Beauty and put that in? It? <laughs> <laughs> what a turd roll! Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I thought it looks absolutely nuts, and the Riz Ahmed thing. Like, there's a shot towards the end of that where the other symbiote character, which is a character called Riot, there's a shot where he like turns both his hands into like big axes yeah, in a, yeah. like an office but in an office 
But that shot looks so ropey. Oh, there's yeah. some it, bad effects like, in there. There's some very good effects in there as well. But that one looks so ropey. I can't believe they put it in a trailer. Yeah. What was the film? There was a film like two years ago, I think a superhero film, where it was weird. Like certain scenes looked way better than other scenes. Like, oh, I can't oh, remember what it was. Like but it's just oh, weird. Like occasionally you just see one where you're like, what team did that one? Yeah. <laughs> like, why does that, it look so different? That's rushed. It's just so um, weird. Yeah. It's a very odd thing for them to be doing because Sony made that deal with Marvel and obviously yeah. it's done really well for them. Yeah. And yet to be so unforthcoming about how it ties to Spider-Man, I'm sure it entirely depends whether it's a success or not. Yeah. Mm. And then they'll somehow kind of like fuse it. I'm but quite excited for it. it like you say, because I think it might be rubbish, but it, it doesn't look boring. No. It looks baffling. Uh, yeah. yeah. If it's going to have a problem, it'll be that it's, it's confusing. It's definitely turned around since the, the first trailer, which I thought looked like the most boring oh, yeah, thing yeah, yeah. ever. And yeah. I just like, I had no desire. Venom in it. <laughs> yeah, I had no desire to see whatever this film was. Like a, and now at least it's like caught my interest because it looks mental. I still it like did, the yeah. second. <laughs> just Venom talking. I'm just really. <laughs> I still like the second trailer more because it gives more of the. Tom Hardy and Venom being two opposing things. Yeah. Like this one's more about them being one. Yeah, because we he, are Venom. Yeah. And he's just, it's like well, he, in this trailer, this is a line which is like, if you behave or something, you might just make it through this. Yeah, it's very weird him having the dialogue with himself. I, it's cool. Is he doing the Venom voice? I, d- I think I they've said he is. Yes, yeah, so I wasn't sure at first, but because for like there's little, little intonations in his maybe voice. he's blended it with someone else. Yeah. I thought it was Keith they? David for a long time. Like it sounds a lot like <laughs> Keith David. Well, in this new trailer, it actually looks. You know, there's a motorcycle chase. Yes, I watched the trailer again. It looks like he actually kind of dies in it. Tom Hardy and Venom almost brings him back to life. Like he looks like his body gets. Oh, that bit where he's up just dead inside. Is that reanimating? Is that why he looks so bad when he's inside Venom? It looks like it's hard to be Venom. It looks like when I have food poisoning and I miss podcast four hundred. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had symbiote coming out both ends. <laughs> we are food poisoning. <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what. They weren't tumbling anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely weren't. Right. Let's segue out Sloshing. of that. Please let's segue out of that. I've, Oh, I'm in flashbacks. Um, we're going to talk about some nice little games we've been playing on the Nintendo Switch. This is my extremely irregular feature, some games I played on <laughs> Wait, Switch. Is that your new spin-off podcast? Yeah, irregular. some games I played. No, regular features. Irregular features. Um, uh, yeah. what, what you got? What you got? Well, guys, sometimes indie games get a bad rap for being, you know, overly thoughtful and, and twee and, and, you know, just a bit like sort of like artistic for artistic sake. So I've got one for you called The Lion's Song which is about oh. the struggle to create art and science in turn-of-the-century Vienna. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, it's an episodic narrative sort of point-and-click game okay. about four different people in Vienna, all of whom are connected in sort of sideways ways. They don't really know each other that well. And you just play episodes from their life. Um, and then the fourth episode t- sort of ties them all in together. And I think it's one of the best games of the year. I played it on two flights from like two two hour flights so it's nice and short and it's just like what, beautiful the whole time what are you actually doing in it you're just like talking and learning oh <laughs> it's <God>. great <laughs> like, that sounds this, awful it's so good <laughs> this, right so the first one I, I, I took my switch out of my briefcase <laughs> oh, it's magic oh mate it's briefcase material it's the ultimate briefcase game it's so nice it's all in sepia tones and pixel art and it's everything everyone who doesn't like indie games yeah, yeah, hates yeah. about indie games just, and it I'm is so fantastic I thought you were actually going to leave then but <laughs> enough mate do you not want to learn what it is to compose a music track uh, you, or you, to you, you paint me, a portrait 
I know what it is to compose a music track. Well, yeah, you compose some rock music, not like orchestra, right. mate. Oh, <laughs> I've done that crush now. My heart, <laughs> um, oh, it's just, I, it's really hard to explain because it's that reaction immediately. And it's called the Lion's the Lion Song. It's beautiful, and it teaches you about turn of the century Vienna. I didn't know it was such a cool place. Gustav Klimt hanging out. You go and visit Freud at one bit. So it's proper like Forrest Gump. It's kind of accurate. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's accurate. So you're playing, I'm pretty sure you're playing fictional characters who are meeting real people. So there's a bit at the end where, obviously, the thing hanging over Austria in the early 1900s is World War One going to happen soon. So it sort of segues into that. And then the epilogue, it's not a spoiler, just reveals that like people you were meeting along the way were real people. Like even very minor Minor characters um, and tells you what happened to those people in real life which is extremely cool but then along that way is these all these miniature stories about just like struggle to make something of yourself and it's really excellently done like quite understated it's never like hokey and it's even some of them not even like happy endings they're just here's what happened to this person and I think it's fantastic like it's just beautiful what's like the core like Gameplay. I'm, sh- I'm assuming it's quite light on, on gameplay. Yeah, so each each one's slightly different. So the composer is just, you're sitting in a room and clicking things that give you different ideas for how to compose a track. And okay. depending on what you choose, it gives you different rhythms and beats and stuff and creates, sort of creates a facsimile of a track at the end for you. How much like variation is there? there? Not a huge amount because yeah. she's working towards a thing she wants to make. Okay. But you have some input. It's, like, it's one of those games where it's like, you're never making a decision that fundamentally changes the outcome, but you're changing elements of how you get to that outcome. Um, There's an artist who's painting portraits, so you're choosing his subjects for him and then doing interviews with them, and the answers they give changes the finished portrait, or appears to anyway. I don't know. I haven't haven't gone through twice, so I'm not sure. And it's stuff like that. So it gives you elements of choice and freedom but within a constrained story because it has to get from one place to another. It's just lovely. Like, it's the length of two films and it feels like them. Like, okay. it's a story to, how, to t- how be much told. Is that roughly? I think it's like eight quid. It's good. Bargain. It's really good. Bargain. But if you want something that's not like that because everyone's rolling their <laughs> eyes at home, Hand of Fate 2, which I tried to sell to you and you actually rolled your eyes out as well, so that's not going to work. Which one was, when Hand of Fate 2 is a game that's really hard to describe. It is... A card game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a card game in which you are playing a sort of fantasy world text adventure game that when it gets into fights, turns into an Arkham-style combat game. So you're building a deck, and then that deck is made up of encounters that play out tiny text adventures. And based on the outcomes of those, you get different resources and inventory and stuff. And then if you need to have a fight, it just zooms in, and everything you've got is on your character, and you're just doing an Arkham combat fight and then, you're and, the, and then you're just battering people with swords and it's wicked uh it's very different <laughs> to the lion's song and it's brilliant and it's really big it's like 15 quid i've played like 10 hours and i'm what? still going like it's massive so what it's, <laughs> yeah. How, it's quite hard okay. to wrap your head around this yeah. so okay. the basic setup so it's a deck is, building game yeah so the basic setup well, is the you're first sitting, level of reality in it is the I'm first at a level table. Is you're sitting at a table across from this weird hooded dude who's like sort of half making fun of you and basically you appear to be your character at the end of the journey it took them to get there okay. but you're telling the story of that journey through this deck of sort of tarot cards okay. almost and so he puts them down say the most simplest is 
you start at one end of a set of cards and he's turning over each card in turn. Right, okay. And each card is a different encounter. So it might be like you have ended up at a merchant's, you can buy stuff and sell stuff. Or you've had your shit robbed by goblins, you've got to kill them in a time limit before they take your stuff away. But the deck building aspect is every time you finish an encounter, you earn all of those cards you've played and then you can put them in a deck to play again so you can find the positive ones or the ones that you find most interesting. And they've all got like mini objectives to complete so you can do them in certain ways to earn extra stuff. And then you can play those as a deck in new encounters and like in new shapes and stuff. And that's how you get through. It's really smart. It's It's high concept. It's very high concept, but it's very good. Uh, Yeah, I love it. So there you go, Hand of Fate 2. I did watch Joe play a little bit of it, and it did seem quite interesting to me. The thing that put me off was it was all high fantasy. Yeah, you just, just don't like high fantasy. You're not, not into that, are you? Yeah. But the idea of it sounded really cool and it's interesting. It's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, it's, so just, it's a sequel. It's a sequel to, basically, Hand of Fate 1 was that almost exactly the same concept, but just with way less stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, they, so it was received like really well. This is like yeah, and then they went, they took everyone's feedback idea, and just really. went, oh, we'll just do that, but it, better. Yeah. And it's, they really like. I played the first one, loved it, and I'm, this one's just miles ahead. It's really, really good. Cool. We reviewed it quite well earlier this year, um, but no one really heard about it. And now it's on Switch, which is how well, everyone's going to play it. Um, Banging! I've got one little game to um, put into this roundup. Yes, it's another very highbrow game. Mm. It's called Pool Panic. Oh, so <laughs> good. You seen Pool Panic? So I saw a clip of it the other day, and I remember Joe, you played it quite a while ago. I played didn't it you? two years ago. <laughs> yeah, rest. and I remember. I think we spoke. I was on the podcast when you actually spoke about it. So yeah. I do vaguely remember so you talking about it. It is a pool game where all the balls are alive. Yeah. You play as the cue ball, and it, it's your intention yeah. to obviously clear the table. But the kind of the pool tables are just like weirdly overgrown like landscapes. In the basically, I've only played the first world where mm. they're all kind of like set in like various like fields and stuff. And what you're learning, so it's like done, the animation is what's cool about it. It's like it looks a bit like Rick and Morty. Well, it's a little bit it's like, by Adult Swim, and yeah. it looks like Adult. Well, it's published by Adult Swim, and it looks like Adult. So Swim. everything has like a crazy face and yeah. a weird personality. And what I'm learning now, I've got to the point where I'm kind of it's introducing elements where certain balls don't like to be potted. Yeah, it's like so yellow good. yellow balls are really coquettish, and they'll hide from you. So if you you <laughs> can't you can't pot them directly. Right. So you've either got to like ricochet a red off them. Or somehow use the environment to your advantage. It's such but a good idea. But you can't near them. You just go, ooh, and then you just run away. <laughs> I was going to say, everything I've seen over the shoulder of people playing this looks like this constantly balls just screaming. Yeah. yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of things just scream at you. Well, it's, like the, the, it's really funny because obviously the red balls are the most numerous. Mm. So you're like, <laughs> you're just like smashing them into the holes and they're just like, <laughs> just like idiots. Like I just love the idea that red balls are idiots. Um, <laughs> it's really funny. I, so I've got a little video of this actually. I'll play it. So when you clear um, a table um, as the cue ball, you've got to go down like a hole. Right. It says like to move on. So you go down there and what happens is you get sucked into like this time vortex that looks a little bit like when they use the Bifrost oh, in, yeah, yeah. in the Marvel movies. And this is the noise the main character makes. Oh, it's just singing. <laughs> <laughs> that's him, like, that's um, him just successfully clearing a table. Oh, that's so good. Um, you don't know that on snooker clubs, do you? Um, Ronnie O'Sullivan used to do it when he was on the, when he was on the old 
<laughs> Sherbet oh, powder. I thought oh, you were saying okay. the underground pool circuit. But yeah, rocket. it's really good. Yeah, so I think it's on offer at the minute. It's a little discount on it, but I think it's like around ten quid. Yeah, but it's a really funny, funny. It's game. such a great idea. Uh, do you think it's a little bit fiddly aiming with the right analog on a switch? I agree. I think I don't it's know why that is. I think it's, it's on like PC as well. Yeah. And like PC would obviously give you that bit more precision to yeah, do it. It's fine because when you later on when you're kind of like lining up very elaborate trick shots it's obviously very the margin of error is very fine Mm. and if your finger slips last minute you just fuck it so that's what's happened to me a few times from what i've played there's not really like a penalty for taking a while or taking too many shots really it's It's more like so essentially it's almost like a puzzle game really because when you do them if you want to replay levels you get awarded bonuses for like how quickly you can clear the table so for some of them it's almost like a puzzle game because you need to work out the most efficient solution to get those coquettish yellows in to get the coquettish <laughs> yellow in but even for the starting levels it's like you've got to be fast because it, to get the time bonus mm. you've got to be really fast you've got to be like the rocket <laughs> um, god I didn't know Ronnie Sullivan or Sullivan would come up so much today he's wicked um, finally it's been out in America for a month and the rest of the world but Ant-Man and the Wasp is finally out in the UK mm. this week so that's good. Go see that. No. <laughs> Should we talk about a little bit about that? Yeah. So you and I saw it a few weeks ago, and you and I had a great time I can't it. believe how much I liked it. I was not excited for Ant-Man yeah. and the Wasp whatsoever, Just especially after the year it's been for Marvel. Like, yeah. this succession of like bangers in completely this, different ways. Yeah, and really bombastic ones and really important monumental ones. And this is, like, the one that was just kind of, like, sneaks out afterwards. And it has that unenviable task of going between the two Infinity War movies. Yeah. And it's not Captain Marvel, which is the important one. Yeah. Ant-Man was kind of in that situation last time, though, wasn't it? Yeah. The first time it just... Was after the Avengers, I think? It was yeah. The oh, they yeah. always followed the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Like, but almost that plays into the weird narrative that they've got around this character, that he is the, you know literally and figuratively the small Marvel hero mm, yeah. and like even the scale of this story again it's not about really saving the world it's, it's about there's barely it's, a villain it's, there's, that's one of my favourite things about yeah. it there's not actually a villain like the trailers make out like that ghost character yeah. is a villain they, when I spoke to the director Peyton Reed he told us more of it being like a caper movie yeah because there's multiple like just antagonistic forces it's people that stops them trying wanting, to do what they want wanting right. things in the same direction and colliding yeah so it's it's almost like if you go in thinking she's like a classic villain it's not and I think they, they it's quite an effective solution to that villain problem yeah because they don't want to spend loads of time on setting up a villain that's going to be disposable the villain they do set up kind of gets into Hank Pym's backstory a little bit mm-hmm. but again the story is about family like the original it's not about like saving the world or even America Yeah, it's just about this little family drama really but set across this like fantastical backdrop it's also that weird thing of a Marvel movie that the solution to a problem is minim- like quite literally minimising damage mm. like <laughs> it's this odd thing of you never get a moment where like everything's blown up or like no. r- massive changes are made to the environment. It's like right. the, the way they get around this is by just fucking off, like getting really yeah. small and going yeah. away. It's, it's, it's some it's quite cool. unique action because you don't actually see playing with perspective and dimension that much in a film. Like I grew up in the, the heyday of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids of movies. Course. <laughs> um, but it's not actually something that's overused really. They do a beautiful thing with it as well because they've got, because they got to the point where it's like, oh, he can now become big as well. Yeah. Now it's everything between those two states. So there's this brilliant, totally unnecessary scene where Ant-Man is shrunk to half size by accident. So he's basically the size of a, like a 10-year-old <laughs> and all his clothes are too big and he's just running around. And the whole joke is, 
it looks mad. Yeah. And that's it. Like, it's yeah. him, like, bouncing down. Like, steps are too big for him, and he can't. he's, like, climbing up car seats and stuff. Yeah. And, like, Sounds wicked. It's so funny. <laughs> and there's no, You could chop it out, and it would make literally no difference to yeah. the film. But it's so clear that the, the, the driving force of this film is enjoyment. It's yeah. not, like, get from here to here. It's just, like, yeah. ha- let's have as much fun as what we can on the it's way. It's got really good pace to it. I think it's funny. And also, like, it's a proper three-hander, really. Michael yeah. Douglas, Evangeline Lilly, and Paul Rudd are all equal billing, really, in it. And a really interesting dynamic for a lot of the film where Michael Douglas and Evangeline Lilly don't really want him there. Yeah. So you've got this, like, team working together, but one person wants to work with the other two way more than they want to work with him. Right, it's okay. really weird. There's an incredible scene, like, I can't really give no, away no. how it happens, but there's an incredible scene where Paul Rudd is having to pretend to be someone else. And it's just... He's very good at being... It's it's like an absolute masterclass in comic acting like it's uh, I remember just turning around to you just being like this is so weird yeah, I can't I think, believe I think he's we did doing that a this. few times in that movie just going he's really weird there's this <laughs> weird recurring joke that he's learning close up magic but everyone he meets asks him how he does the tricks like there's okay. loads of weird stuff in he's it. like been on he's been under house arrest and so he's just spoiler territory. Well, I'm not going to say okay. why. It's just like yeah. I think that's established in. Yeah, like, he's like yeah, that yeah. No, we know that. We know yeah. that because that's also what they say in Infinity War. Yeah, and like so he he's been under house arrest, so he's just finding stuff to do while he's stuck in his house, and one of them is close up magic. So he keeps doing tricks, and people keep just going like. How did you do that? And it's just such a weird recurring <laughs> joke. <Weird texture. laughs> um, but yeah, like. It's been out in the rest of the world for like a month, but yeah. you should definitely go see it if you haven't seen it already. It is genuinely I really very, it. like it's, it's very charming. I like it's not mind blowing, but it's a really good time. But it's well. also not much less funny than Thor Ragnarok. I think that's more surprisingly funny, mm. but it's a very good comedy movie. Absolutely, like, yeah, it's yeah. wicked. Um, finally. Dale, Hello. you've been exploring the universe again. I have. Got after, 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 after a year off. Yeah. <laughs> Acid flashbacks are a killer. It's been, uh, it's it's been two, two years, Good to see it? you back at it. How's it been going? Yes, yeah, all right. I so I should say this is, this is No Man's Sky next. Yes, yeah, No Man's so, Sky next. So this is an update, but mm-hmm. it's kind of effectively a relaunch. It feels like it's like kind of? almost like a 1.5. Okay. Well, it is actually. The, <laughs> the update is 1.5. But The universe is 0.5 bigger. I feel like it's a step towards like what a sequel could potentially be. With okay. that. Obviously, they're not going to release a sequel, I guess. They're just constantly yeah, iterate on, iterate on this. Yeah, um, I think it's wicked. I think it's such like a massive step up for that game. And I know it's a lot of people are saying it feel they feel like it delivers on what the original promise was. But outside of the multiplayer aspect, which is it's delivering on that. I feel like it's done things that I never would have thought about doing. Like, like what? Like base building, for example. I know that was in a previous update, mm. but now it's oh, truly it's pro- like free. Yeah. I never thought that was going to be in No Man's Sky. There was going to be an idea of base building. There was never going to be uh, like freighters and like space battles and things like that. Mm. I always thought it was just about exploring the universe and you might bump into random people every now and again. And that part of it, it existed, but the multiplayer didn't. And now it does. And so, he, like, for someone who hasn't played the game since it came out, mm-hmm. what is the multiplayer? Like, how does so, it actually manifest? Um, so, you join each other's game from the main menu. It's pretty easy. If you've got friends that are playing it, four of you to de- together can join one game, or you can just randomly bump into people. So, I believe in solo systems, there's like an instance of, I think it's 16 people. Do you remember what he said? 
I think it was capped at like I've, I've read definitely read that somewhere. It's capped at like sixteen people in a solar system, right? And that can potentially be in there. Oh, so point. like four groups of four could all meet yeah. each well, other. And also, you can just randomly bump into people, but it's not going to be like you're running to a planet and there's five hundred people there. But yeah, okay, gotcha. I was going to say to you, like, it must guide people slightly because, like, if there's a even if there's fifteen other people in a solar system, the chances yeah. are you would never meet. So you do the maths and you realise that they must be like be forcing insane. you together. So there's somewhere. absolutely some sort of trickery going on there because I've had. At least four or five times, people just randomly show up in my game. Well, I think that I think isn't the point that you are you can choose to play your game from the main menu, isn't it? Like yeah. play game, or, or then there's join a game. Join a game. Yeah. So it's just like it's just spawning you into a new yeah. game, just going like you're going to be near someone, and you'll get like it so will flash. It, yeah, it never really feels like that though. I've never like joined a game, started a game, and I've been near somebody. I've, I'm doing play my own game. Yeah, but and that's then, the like, point. Two hours in, somebody just randomly. But that's popped someone up. who's just match made into your session. Oh, I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how it's working. You, so you were telling me a story the other day about a dude that. Like, yeah, I can tell. I can tell. Yeah. So uh, I've been watching, rewatching Lost at the moment. It's a bloody great show. I love it a lot. And uh, I was in the mood to build something, and I found this little island on a planet, and I thought I'm going to build the dam station there, the Swan Hatch. So about five hours later, I finished my Swan. Five hours like It took me a long time. Are you <laughs> in creative you could... mode? Yes. Yeah. So that's God, just when yeah. you couldn't come into work on Monday. Yeah, yeah. Too busy. Too, Too build, busy. Building a Swan station. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I was in, like Joe said, I was in creative mode because you can do it in survival mode, but the oh time it takes God. to gather all that resources, it would have took me like five times the amount of time. So I just went into creative mode, started a new save just because I wanted to build some stuff and like try everything. <laughs> So yeah, I built the station and like, honestly, go on my Twitter feed. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> I've done a really good job of recreating this thing. But anyway, out of nowhere, I'm just building it and I was putting finishing touches on it. And then I just see in the bottom left-hand corner, so-and-so has just popped into your into your galaxy or your solar system. You just crash landed on it. No, I know, but I see that ha- you see that happen and you think, oh, well, there's like five planets here. This planet is God knows how big. And then you realise that they can see you on a map. So what what did you do when you enter someone else's solar system? You target straight for yeah. them. So within about a minute, this guy just landed a ship right next to me, got out, and then we just started emoting at each other and waving at each other. And so I was like, this thing is obviously well hidden because if you know Lost and the Swan Station, it's just a hatch in the floor and there's a secret entrance around the other side. So I sort of beckoned this guy. I was doing emotes. It was to try the, and get it was the scale. It was, the scale. <laughs> it was actually the scale, yeah. And I beckoned him around. And then eventually he sort of found his way. And he just came down into the Swan Station with me. And I'd put, you can put these like message modules that like fire out messages to you. Like, welcome to the Swan Station. <laughs> I wish I had my mic on or something. Or he had his mic on at this point so I could just hear what he was thinking. And he just came for a little tour with me, just followed me all the way around ah, the station. I love the thing, you're like really enthused showing around it. And he's going, this is awkward. <laughs> it's like when Alan Partridge goes back to that guy's house. Yeah. Going, this guy is mental. Yeah. Enough, he called me a mentalist when he shot off in the <laughs> ship. Well. See ya. It's like, uh, how do we get out of here? Do you know that scene in Alan Partridge is based on a real event in Stuart Lee's yes, life? What? Yeah, it is. Well, he had his tattooed on his Not that chest. much, but it, Stuart Lee went back to a yeah. fan's house after after a gig mm. and they had like a Stuart Lee shrine. Oh my God. That person was uh, absolute radio presenter, Christian O'Connell. <laughs> oh 
he had a Stuart Lee throughout, like shrine in his and, house. And for all we know, the person that visits your station could have been Christian O'Connell. It probably was. I hope probably it was. was. I like to think it was. I like to think it was. Uh, did, so yeah, did, did he ruin it? Did he change anything? No. So well, he couldn't. So I'd have to give him permission. Oh, to okay, edit that's the face. good. That's good. What, however, what he could do is terrain manipulate. And I, <laughs> he's your super villain <laughs> with his mind and uh, at one point I went down into my hatch but I don't think he saw where I went so he saw my icon go underground but he didn't know where I went and he started manipulating so your terrain I didn't know what happened I heard some noises and then I went back up and I saw him there and he just caved a massive hole into my like nicely streamlined base what did you do batter him oh just when he went I fixed it didn't I <laughs> <laughs> I had to tie it up oh, oh. oh. muggins here always left to terrain <laughs> manipulate <laughs> bloody I did actually outline say oh for fuck's sake and now I just spent about another hour terrain manipulating to I, get know, my I, I also like it's like um, in Father Ted you just can't get it quite right he's <laughs> adding it it's not leveled <laughs> it's into it and it's just like this is, oh, I'm, I'm rebuilding it somewhere else if you've done it goes to a different, <laughs> different planet <laughs> see Whoa. you later if you've done terrain manipulation you'll know you'll know mate it's exactly like that it's, you can't get flat surface it's yeah. all bobbly it's I bet you could ruined have. now oh you'll never get that flat again <laughs> ruined oh. anyway, if uh, you've done terrain manipulation what, what no, everyone wants is a terrain planer that would be really <laughs> that great that would be good actually add it yeah Murray Murray uh, <laughs> 1.6 one last really good moment after that though um, we both went out and I noticed that he'd got a massive freighter with him and it was in the sky and you could see it like Independence Day like sort of cutting through the atmosphere Ooh, slightly. That's very Sinister. cool. And they looked incredible. And then he got off in his ship and I just as I was about to take a photo of this freighter, he just saw it zip off. I did one. Just go off into another galaxy and somewhere. You might never see him never again. Never see him again. What piece of shit. It's like ships in the night. We just like met. two big space freighters in the <laughs> capital met. freighters. We met. I showed him my last station, and then he went. And it was, just, but I just oh, thought it was. Oh, that's the war you've for you. Got to stop calling your fly your lost station. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've named the planet Dale Lost Station. So if you want to find Dale it, Station. <laughs> Did you actually wait? No, it oh. might be Lost the Dharma Station Dale. Or oh, like you've that. lost that. Yeah. You won't be able to find that. I'm again. still on it, mate. I'm still on it. Never leave. Never leaving. If you can't, if you know anything about Lost, generally you, know. you should get to the point in the game where you get portal glyphs, and then you can tell people how so to get to it. My plan at the moment is to get the portal glyphs, and then I can share that line and people can go and fuck up my lawn again <laughs> oh. but I just thought it was a, just a great <laughs> nutshell of like what this experience can be now just like random people bumping into your into galaxy just sharing like not trying to shoot each imagine other if you but just looking at what things you've done on your planet oh. and then just going off and exploring something else imagine if you become a big thing in the community where you go like, you go see old man drive his lost station <laughs> yeah. and people like coming to visit you just me like, with a shotgun like sitting a there a rocking chair just on the long end <laughs> You try it. You try. If you manipulate this, I'll manipulate you so hard. I hope someone's right driver is a dickhead on your ground and you come home In to the it. cosmos. You can see it from space. Oh, man. Oh. Ah, you, so you see that someone's like made a picture of Sean Murray from, and you can see from the outside of the atmosphere. Yeah. Like a base so <laughs> big. They've just made a pixel art picture of Sean Murray. It's absolutely insane. People are mad, aren't they? People yeah. need to get jobs. <laughs> That's what <Yeah>. I've learned. <laughs> Dale's Monday off. He's been yeah. created lost. That is a job, mate. Um, yeah. Lovely. That's good. A um, little bit of feedback. I think you got mm. the first, only two pieces. Okay. This, this is from Adrian. And it's called Ving Rhames Aquaman. Oh my God. <laughs> Surprise <what>? casting. <laughs> Hi, IGN UK. Just finished listening to your Mission Impossible special. By the way, it was fantastic. I Ooh, listened to it lovely. yesterday. I really liked it. And after hearing you guys discuss Ving Rhames and Aquaman in the same breath, I recalled a little-known television pilot you may be interested in. In 2007, the creators of Smallville produced the first episode of an Aquaman series in the same vein. Mr. Ving Rhames was cast as the wise old mentor role to the teenage <laughs> Arthur Curry character. The show was never picked up, but the pilot is out there on the internet and worth watching for a laugh. 
We should um, <laughs> I actually, that's actually a good feature actually. Go back and like pilots for shows that never made that you can like freely watch. Yeah. yeah. I think there's the, quite a few of those there's features. The, there's the Wonder Woman thing. Um, Which one's that? They, they, they did a Wonder Woman show. A the one with the, the British girl. No, it's the. What was that oh, what's she called? I can't remember. What about the Probably Captain America that. series where David Hasselhoff was Nick Fury? That was a film. That's was a film. that a film? Yeah, no, no, a film. no, 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 no. We're conflating. Wait, a, no, that no, was Nick sh- Fury. There's, yeah, there's a show oh, was it? with yeah, Hasselhoff, yeah. and then there was a um, an Italian produced Captain America movie where the guy who plays Captain America is J D. Salinger's son. That's so weird. I've watched the. The, the Shield movie though, and I've never seen that. that one. It's, it's a film. Yeah, it's well, a film. Sure I don't know it's a film. It's a Doctor Strange movie from the seventies, I think, as well. I that I that. mean, that is probably the most authentic version of Doctor Strange. Oh yes, <laughs> Just absolutely. Everyone's off the chops <laughs> yeah. in it. Um, yeah, I bet Ving Rhymes in it. He's good at mental roles. Again, a lot of sitting down. Yeah, in the 100%. back of a van. <laughs> yeah, he's such a lazy actor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do remember that. Um, pilot because I used to watch Smallville actually and then it went for a long time Smallville until and then towards the end like Aquaman did pop up because they were just like I'll just put everyone in it until uh, what's her name got in that sex cult see that Kristen oh no Chloe Chloe from Smallville she's yeah. in a crazy sex cult mm. cheap kind of- <laughs> <laughs> listen to you colour me intrigued <laughs> what kind of what is it crazy sex cult uh, they were called oh they've got a weird name I can't remember but basically it was a guy who said he was like I don't know, God or something, and just had loads of women in a harem, and she was sort of like branding people. It was very scary and how weird. How easy is it to get away with that? I don't how think. That, it... How do you get? I, I want to know how do you get that off the ground? Yeah, I want to know how... from like perspective. I want to do it. I reckon. But like, how do you get that going? You probably only start unless you know one person who join up with you. Yeah. So I reckon it's the second one that's the hardest. So or, you're like, or... I've got this one person cult. You want to get in on it? Or if you got like mad charisma where all through your life you're like, I can just make people do whatever I want. But who's got that? The terrain manipulator. <laughs> Desperately trying to find the name of this sex I'm cult. Fi- I can find it in a second. I've listened. <laughs> I just Googled Smallville sex cult and uh, just see what oh, we're getting. Oh. I shouldn't do this on the work Wi Fi, should I? No. I listened to a podcast about it. <laughs> Wait a second. Here we go. Why is we well, it's creepy. You read your email and then we'll we'll look for it. Uh, it's I don't know if it's, all right, this is an appropriate email to read. Oh, wait, I found this. it. Okay. Uh, it's spelled weird. It's NXIVM. NXIVM. Nixvan. What, yeah. are, what are the tenets of it? Do we know? Uh, I don't have, know, but it was in Albany. Have, you could have sex with God in Albany. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, final email here is from Michael Weber. He says his middle name's Leopold. Yes, oh, please. Well done. So um, this is a little shout out for a charity fundraiser he's doing. On the 5th of September, he's going to be playing Destiny 2 Forsaken for 24 hours straight oh to raise money for Macmillan Cancer Support. It says last year his granddad lost his battle with cancer. Macmillan was there to, to um, support him towards the end. And he says you can donate to his stream. He says just search Michael Plays Destiny on Just Giving to find his fundraising page. So if you'd like to donate and support Michael Leopold Weber, do that. And also, if you can find out his sort code, you can probably take his money now that yeah. you've got all his names. Shit. <laughs> uh, good luck, Michael. Good well, luck, Michael. That done. sounds awesome. Very good work. I'd just like to let you know that NXIVM is an Albany-based multi-level marketing company that offers personal and professional development seminars through its executive success programs. It has been labelled as a pyramid scheme, a sex trafficking operation, and even a sex cult. So there you go. Varied portfolio. Very varied. As expected to say, and we are definitely not a sex cult. (laughs) (laughs) I like that it's a multi-level marketing (laughs) scheme. Oh yeah, the uh, the first level's branding, second one's uh, sucking it. So I'll see you later. Um, 
on that note, uh, see you next week. Bye! Bye.